in your heart Share what you feel No matter the subject You can always be real Talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Hard talk with JC Michelle. Welcome to Heart Talk. This is Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggets. I am so glad to be with you. Those who know me know me, know me, (laughs) know that I identify as a follower of Christ Um, in my faith tradition. And I'm not even sure if it's rightfully so, but there has been this emphasis within the tradition on evangelism or, you know, maybe a harsher term would be proselytizing. And that really got me to thinking, um, This idea of going out and helping people get saved. And yes, I'm probably going to make some church folk mad and that's okay because apparently that's what I do. (laughs) But I wonder what it would be like to simply live as a healed person or as a person healing and how much more of a representative of God that would be. And this is really not even just in my faith tradition, but across, especially, I guess, thinking about the three so-called major religions, but really any type of spiritual tradition. There's a whole lot of folks, especially in the, you know, in the invention of social media who proselytize or evangelize a particular belief or philosophy or thought system, not necessarily Christian or Judaism or Islam, but it's it's still a perpetuation of a belief system that they want other people to buy into. I'm looking at you wellness community. (laughs) And so I'm wondering if that's even necessary, because I'm going to tell you this, if I'm looking to wear my hair in a particular way, let's just say I'm looking to wear braids. I am going to roll up on a sister (laughs) whose braids are spectacular And whether she tells me she did it herself or that she got it done, I'm going to ask her about that thing because her braids are representative of how I want my braids to look. And she doesn't have to give me her card or tell me she's the best braider in town. None of that actually has to happen. I know it can happen and it does happen, but she doesn't have to do all that because her braids are speaking for her. And so again, You know, I opened up talking about my particular faith, but I think this really does apply across the board to anything that we are buying into or that we are, quote, selling. I think the biggest example of healing is living as a person who's healing. The biggest draw to healing into a life of constant, persistent or intentional pursuit of joy, peace, love, kindness, all those things is someone who actually is living that. Not someone who is turning their healing into some type of step-by-step coaching program. No shade. I'm all for, (laughs) you know, setting up programs and courses. I have them myself. But if, if that is the only indication of your journey, your healing journey, then I'm not sure that that's the best way to gain buy-in. I understand, yes, that people 
um, believe that, you know, that is a path, right? That they can go and they can help people get to where they've been. But just let's make sure that you're actually there or that you're on your way there. For me, even as much as I write about my experience with joy, one of the challenges that I have faced, even when the book first came out, was that in the midst of me talking about Black joy, being interviewed, Good Morning America, all of these really amazing opportunities that came my way, I was also in the midst of some severe grief and frustration. I had bouts of depression Um, There was anxiety. Uh, Just a lot of things were happening at the same time. And I think it was a challenge to go out and talk about joy when I may not have been feeling it in that moment. And that part is okay. I mean, we all have bad days, but we get up, we go to work because we feel an obligation to do so. We feel like we need to do that. So I'm not saying that to do that is a bad thing. But what I am saying is that I feel that I also want to make sure that I'm living out my joy in front of people. So, yes, go buy the book. I love that. But at the same time, I want you to be able to buy that book. And when you look at my life, you can see me doing that work. Not necessarily me saying, you know, buy my book, buy my book, my book, my book over again. But when you look at my life, you don't see much of my attempt at living a life of joy. I want you to be able to say, oh, she's living out joy. She's not perfect, but she's living out the joy the best that she can. I feel like that is the greatest testimony. When we think about what people say about folks when they pass away, I think that's really telling. I'm remembering when the great one, (laughs) Prince, passed away. I remember they did something in Paris, I think, where they shine purple lights into the sky or something to honor him. And I thought, wow, all the way in Paris or all the way in Russia, these people are mourning this person for the work that they put out in the world for the musician that he was. And I think about that and I realize it's not the things that we run around saying about ourselves that folks repeat when we pass. It's who we were to them, who we are in our everyday lives and how we made folks feel. And so I'm constantly working on that on myself and thinking about how do I walk around here as a healing person? Um, There, I I was going to say as a healed person, but I don't believe there's any destination called healed. As a person who is healing, how do I show up? as a person who's living out her joy and being very intentional about her joy. Because that is essentially what I'm asking people to do when they engage with the book, this podcast. That's the work that I am claiming for myself or I'm claiming to do. I'm going to share something that's kind of personal with you guys. I had a moment where I felt like I really did hear the voice of God. And it's hard to even say that because I know how many people will process that, right? Like sometimes, you know, you get labeled as a kook or or whatever, but, you know, I don't care. (laughs) As a matter of fact, you know, I, I think there are times when stuff just shows up in your spirit and you just can't ignore it. As a matter of fact, you better not ignore it. Because it is offering you direction for your life. And one of the things that came to me, I think, in the early part of this year was that 
I'm not ordinary. And ordinary is not even a bad thing, right? Like regular, whatever that is, however that's defined. I would be inclined to say that none of us are ordinary and none of us are regular. But there is sort of a societal status quo. There's a societal normality. There's a societal ordinary that some people feel very comfortable and safe in towing the line. But that's not me. I wasn't made to be mediocre. I wasn't made to be, quote, normal. But I also have to realize that sometimes it takes time for your heart and mind to catch up to this idea that maybe you are greater than you could imagine. Maybe you're just extraordinary. But there's time to prepare your heart and mind, time needed to prepare yourself for the challenges that will come with your greatness. For me, I I do believe that I have a very singular purpose and I've spent a lot of time trying to figure that out. And some of that has to do with little Tracy (laughs) and embracing what was the seed of desire and purpose that was placed in me, even as a little child. And embracing that is hard. But until I do, until I can thank little Tracy for all that she did to survive and let her know that I got her now and that we're all grown up and that we don't have to toe the line of ordinary, we don't have to be mediocre to survive, to get acceptance, to get love. All those things are already ours to have without having to dim our lights or not shine. It's at that point when I and her, right, will be released and we will soar and we will rise. And then the question becomes, will I be able to believe it? Can you believe what's possible for yourself? And it's okay if you struggle with believing it. But over time, if you just remain open to your extraordinary self, and allow yourself to be prepared for all the challenges that may come with you just being great in your world, then you'll see and the belief will come. I think sometimes in an effort to control what is happening to us, we want to stop the suffering and pain, right? We rebuke whatever feels like is going causing our suffering and pain. And I get that. That makes sense. But I think also that's very finite human thinking, right? I think that sometimes the alchemy and the transformation that occurs in our lives requires us to go through grief and pain and sorrow. Again, I'm not saying God causes these things to happen to us, but I'm saying that in order for the true transformation, you know, when you talk about alchemy, the chemistry of who we are as people, Sometimes it has to happen through grief and pain and sorrow so we can get to where we're supposed to be or where our life is calling us to be. And I am pretty sure that that's not mediocre, that's not ordinary, and that's not regular. Let's turn to the calls and see, you know, what questions we have on the Heart Talk line. Greetings. Um, this is Juan in D.C., and I have a question about how to protect joy. Um, I, I, before I pose my question, I have a short story. 
My youngest son, who is now 31, went to some of the best private schools in the DMV. Unfortunately, he was often the only black male student. In much of his lower school years, he was inseparable from two other students. I believe their names were Sam and, and maybe Bobby. They had play dates, played in the same soccer league, and sometimes even had sleepovers. One day, the three of them were discussing beverages, and milk came up. One of the boys asked my son, what are you, chocolate milk? With much emphasis on chocolate. To my son's credit, he admonished his friend that the question was racist. When my son retold the story, I could see a light bulb of recognition that he could be treated differently because of his skin tone had been lit. In that moment, I, I kind of felt like I had failed him as a father. Fast forward to today, I, I am very active in the education of my grandchildren, and we've always sent them to exclusive schools. To my knowledge, they haven't had the awakening yet, which brings me to my question. How do we equip our children to hold on to, protect, maintain, and shield their joy when we send them into environments that we don't control. Forgive me for rambling, but that's what I want to know. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for that question. Um, you know, it reminds me of when my husband and I were uh, looking for schools for my daughter and um, we were trying to figure out what would be the best fit for her, whether we wanted to go public or private. If we went private, would we go to a religious school or uh, non-religious school? Like it, it, there was a whole thing, right, when she was uh, going into kindergarten and into first grade. And one of the things that I was adamant about was that I did not want her to be the only one. I did not want her to be in a space where she had to have who she was as a black girl constantly interrogated. Um, I just didn't want that for her. And so we were um, adamant about finding a place that was very diverse, that it wasn't all white or even really all black, that there was a good mix of different kinds of people from different kinds of backgrounds. And so thinking about your question, I really want us as a people to really think about the spaces that we place our children. Um, and again, I have grace for you and everyone else, right, that, you know, made that choice because maybe in terms of academics, the best school in the area, you know, just happened to also be mostly white. Um, or, you know, for whatever reason, because of where we live, that was the choice that we made. And I respect those choices completely. But I want us to get to the point where we are considering maybe a little bit more holistically, and maybe this is something you can do also with your grandchildren, holistically, you know, the experience our children are going to have in a space. Because here's the thing, we don't have to teach our children joy, right? We don't have to do that because children 
just organically, just naturally have a sense of themselves in that way. Like they, their emotions oftentimes are really, really big because they're in touch with all of them, right? So if they're angry, you know when a toddler's angry. When they are happy and joyful, the squeals, like we, we feel it. And a lot of the work that we do as adults to try to reclaim our joy centers going back to our childhood days, reclaiming those memories of joy and remembering what it felt like in our bodies, right? As a a kid to do something that we love or to experience joy. And so what happens, I think, when we place our children in environments where we have to, they have to negotiate their blackness and when they have to deal with microaggressions is that what should be sort of this experience of joy that every child has then becomes a an extra bit of trauma that happens um, to our children as a result of being in those spaces. So that's like the hard answer, right? Like the hard answer, I think, is that, you know, how can you as a now a grandparent be an advocate Um, for your grandchildren to maybe not be in spaces where they are the only one, right? Or to be actively looking for spaces where they will be around diverse groups of people. Because I do think it does, it does something to you when very early on, when you're supposed to be filled with joy, when you're supposed to be moving in this kind of liberating freedom as a kid, you are now having to be taught how to maintain that joy that's supposed to come natural for you, right? So I think that's kind of my long way of answering um, those questions. It's like, first, if as parents or as grandparents, we can um, do our best to maybe try to not put our children in those spaces. And so you might be saying, well, that's not the case. My child is in an all-white space. What do I do now? And I think that that is giving them the tools that you would give an adult who's trying to reclaim their joy or trying to retain their joy. You would give them those same tools, right? Like you would, um, number one, in instill in them a sense of self of who they are, right? And letting them know that it's not their fault that these things that people are saying to them is out of a, a place of ignorance and not um, reflective of anything that that they're bringing to the situation or to whatever's happening or to the school. And then also giving them the tools to manage the trauma and the and the pain that's going to come from those experiences. So whether that's teaching them um, one of the things that I you know, teach my daughters about deep breathing, how to take a breath, how to inhale through the nose and how to exhale through the mouth when situations feel hurtful or painful, right? Because again, children are very adept at being in their bodies. So teaching her that helps her to go back into her body um, when she's feeling frustrated or overwhelmed, you know, teaching them how to respond. Like everything that we would do We now have to, if your child is going to be in these all white spaces or in these spaces where they're faced with racism or um, microaggressions or any of those things, then you're going to have to give them the tools 
I, you're going to have to give them the tools, right, to be able to navigate that space. And so, first of all, making sure that you know how to reclaim and retain your joy. And then whatever you're using, whatever you're doing for yourself, you're going to have to give that to your child early on. And that's the challenge, right? Like, that's the thing that I find really hard because it, it almost takes a – there's an adultification that happens there, right? It's almost taking – the childhood away, right? And that's something that I don't want for any of our babies at all. Thank you so much for uh, calling. I mean, that probably was a, you know, probably a harder um, answer than I really want to give, but I think it's important for us to kind of reflect back and say, well, maybe, you know, there were spaces that I could have, there were things that I could have done, or there were spaces that I could have placed my child where they didn't have to face those kinds of things, right? Um, And again, if you have to, you must, then great. Now we have to do the work of teaching our children how to reclaim their joy. Um, Thank you again so much. And thank y'all for listening to Heart Talk with Tracy Michelle. I look forward to chatting it up with you guys in the next episode. Again, be well. And if you can't be well, just be. Open your heart. Share what you feel. No matter the subject, you can always be real. Hard talk with Tracy Michelle. Talk with Jason Michelle. Yeah, I talk with Jason Michelle.